Hey everyone, quick note about today's episode. There's going to be heavy spoilers for the brand new movie Halloween. So if you want to watch it and not have anything spoiled, go check it out and then come back and see what we have to say. Thanks for listening. Garrett's scratching intently right now, audience. This could be our cold open. I got a one. Garrett wins or loses the uh, the lotto. I got a 24. You know, sweet six. When I worked at a gas station, I had to cut a lady off. She was spending so much money. She's like, I just spent my entire paycheck. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How does that happen? Ma'am, I can't legally tell you to stop, but you should probably stop. (laughs) I, um,. On Fridays, it's always kind of depressing to go to the gas station because I'll be like behind people cashing their paycheck and then spending it all on lotto tickets and cigarettes. And they take so long. Oh, they need a separate lotto yeah, line. It's I true. just want in and one out. Yeah. Like I'm just right. holding my one Diet Coke, my Mr. Coke, and I cannot. But they got to buy three Break yeah. the Banks, 22 Dude. bingo cards, yeah, it, a cash option yeah. next Friday's lottery. It's. it's yeah. yeah, and they've made buying cigarettes so hard. I do feel bad for them because they can't just go get their own cigarettes. They have to tell this like eighteen-year-old clerk, you know, no, I want the purple package, three rows to your left, and it fucking takes forever. I need the unfiltered menthol Lucky Strikes yeah. that are in the back. Meanwhile, twenty years ago, you could just buy them from a fucking vending machine. Sure, not save everybody any, time. Not that we need any proof on the podcast, but I'm a loser. Aw. <laughs> Bummer. I guess it was 30 years ago now. The 90s will forever be 20 years ago in my mind. I do the same thing. I'm all like, yeah, that's fine. I was doing the math yeah. on uh, Halloween. I was all like, well, it came out in 78, so one, oh my God, that's like 40 years. Yeah. And then I realized I've been alive almost that long, and then I was like, I'm sad. Yeah, we're all getting old. Well, speaking of losers and Halloween, what was your worst costume growing up? That you had to put on. Okay, worst? so is it worse? Like, I mean, because I could tell you what my worst quality costume was. Sure, what you got? All right, when I was a senior in high school, we all decided to go trick or treating one last time before we went to senior? college. Senior, yeah, you're pushing it, sir. Exactly, but not only did I push it, we knew we'd already get a, our balls busted, push. right? <laughs> so we went in expecting that. I also didn't dress up, and I just told people that I was in my college student outfit. Oh my god! Oh, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I, you should have got zero candy. I well, you we, deserved nothing. Someone should have smacked candy out of your hand. We got a fair amount of candy. They some should people have taken candy out of your bag and be like, "Give me this." Some I want people, some little kid to follow him around the whole night and be like, "Boo this man!" <laughs> yeah. Some people, you know, give us snide remarks, but also they probably were just like, "You know what? I don't want our house TP'd by a fucking gang of hoodlums." So gang of hoodlums. There was like, have three you or, seen you? Well, I was much more of a hoodlum when I was seventeen. I promise. He was I think very everybody street, was street growing um, up. It wasn't so, until later that he uh, got his act together. Uh, there was like three or four of us doing it, so it was it was a good time, but it's a terrible costume. When is the cutoff for? Oh, dressing probably up? like thirteen. Like well, I was, for trick or treating, I would say I would say fourteen is your final year. Yeah, or seventeen if you really want to go for the fences, man. Thirteen. I mean, thirteen. You're still a teenager. You're still young enough to probably get away with it. You probably actually are starting to be able to put together a decent costume. But anything after that, you should have parties available. You should have you know mischief. Other things to do other than asking people for candy. You're old mm. enough at that point to get an allowance or find ways no. to make money. Go buy your own fucking But we candy. were done trick-or-treating probably by like 10 o'clock. 
Then we took all our candy to our Halloween party, and we're fucking everyone loved us. Wait, you were done by ten o'clock? Yeah, so you've always been one of those people who just wraps went, everything. No, then I went to a party. party. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then he traded them for drugs. Oh, probably. I should really, yeah. I should really pay attention. Then you can just like <laughs> throw candy out, like you know, you can make it rain with candy. So that was speaking of candy, I got a Snickers right here in front what? of me. I'm gonna eat it on. You're podcast. not you when you're hungry. Um, so. <laughs> I gotta be honest, the allure of candy was. Very thin by the time I was like 12. I was like, I don't really need all this candy. I just never had We went out, it, took all the candy that we liked, and yeah, most of it was just given away. Uh, As someone who's eating candy right now, never got over it. You guys love it. <laughs> yeah. And how many cavities have you had? We're not going to talk about that. I'm more of a baked goods guy. If there was a holiday where people gave away baked goods, that would be a weakness. Oh, online. snap, dude. We're going to have Vanessa make like fucking uh, gingerbread cookies this, ha- That's this Christmas. That's dope. Uh, candy never was really like a, an appeal, but like... But yeah, like ba- harvest autumn ween or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come, go to the door and get a free baked good. All right, we have got off track yeah, here. Best. I suppose. Um, I don't know. What's your best costume? When I was in college, I dressed up as a nun. That was a, that was a popular one. When I was... Jesus, John. Did you have nothing fun when you were a kid? Uh, no, we were poor. We wore the same costume over we and over again. Too. I had, I can remember two Halloween costumes when I was a kid, and I think we made them last for a long time. One, it was like a jumpsuit that had a skeleton on it, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was like five years. So Cobra Kai outfit. Uh, and oftentimes was also doubled as pajamas. And um, and then another year. So you went trick or treating in your pajamas, basically. Pretty much. And another sad. This it has is. become sad. Another year, I was like a plastic. We just got like a bunch of shitty stuff to be a soldier, and I was a soldier for like three years in a row. Anyway, Mark, <laughs> what do you got for us? Um, my your worst. Start with your worst. Okay, my worst. One time, it was just a Dracula that had a stupid black cape and teeth, and that was pretty lame. Oh, uh, I really enjoyed one where I was a three-headed pumpkin. Okay. So you blew up these two shoulder pumpkins, and then you painted your face like a pumpkin, and that's right. what I was. Not once. Cool. All right, yeah. Is that your best? I that is either my best or one time I got to be Orko from He Man. Oh, that's hmm. pretty cool. So that was neat, but it was that real cheap one where it's just like the rubber band on the back with of the, the plastic mask. mask on the front. Yeah. yeah, very familiar with those masks. The ones that just cut your like tongue and your mouth yeah. up, can barely exactly. breathe. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of Halloween. Halloween ended early for me because my parents got really religious, and then I just started going to church on Halloween for Hallelujah Night, <laughs> where I would have to fish at the Fisher of Men station, where you'd like throw a, a fishing line over a like a stand, and they would put a Bible verse and a pe- like a Tootsie Roll. And then you would reel in your your fishing pole, and you would get some word of God with your candy. I didn't think it could get sadder than John's story, <laughs> and you just dropped that to a whole new level, Mark. You, the only costumes that were allowed were you had to dress up like Bible characters. Wow! Did you dress up like the devil? Yeah, he's, he's in the, the Bible. Bible character. I yeah. think that was Ixnade yeah. also. Oh, this <laughs> see, that's what I'm talking about. Holy, you got to be good people. Hey, he was an angel at one point. Ah, I got you on the technicalities, baby. Okay, okay let me go so. tell me back in the 90s. Hey, hey, be pre, pre-devil. Be OG <laughs> Lucifer when he was good. There you yeah. go. Really fucking flip a script there. Just go as Jesus. There's go probably a lot of the Jesus. Bible. Or Peter, you know, uh, who's like a, yeah. an apostle of some kind. Oh, here's what you do. You oh don't go. God. You say you're going as God. You just have to believe that I'm there. Ooh, Really I'm flip in. the script on them. <laughs> but then I wouldn't get any candy. Garrett, what's your best and worst costume? Um, I would say, they were both when I was a small child, and they were not my my choice. I'd say my worst is my mom really phoned it in when I was like a little baby. She wanted to go to a um, Halloween party, and so she put me in a green blanket, painted my face green, 
and put some like little like green slime on my head and said I was a booger and walked around. And he was like a, like a like a baby like in, in her arms. I call that clever. It's clever, but that's probably my worst costume because I don't think you're supposed to put like makeup on a baby's face. Do you have any memory of this? No. Okay. No, but I've seen pictures of it. Okay, it's, so it did happen. Bad. Oh, it definitely yeah. happened. Um, and then the other one fine. that I enjoyed the most, and in hindsight, I probably should not have done. I mean, it's a different time. I went as Mr. T. Sweet. Um, so I I had blackface. I did not know. I it was my parents' idea. I didn't know anything about it at the time. But I had all this gold jewelry on. I had a little mohawk. Um, right I walked on. around the sleeveless shirt. Do you oh, have I any was, pictures of this? I don't know if we have pictures of that. I think we might. But man, they're not getting out. That's not happening. <laughs> Come on, let's <laughs> but, see it. Um, oh, I remember. I was so happy to be Mr. T. Though I was just like, dude, oh, every kid loved Mr. So T. So stoked 80s. to be Mr. T. Did you um, get any looks? You know, I don't think so. Um, yeah. I don't remember any like negative. Again, though, it was a very different time. A lot sure. of a lot of messed up shit went unchecked. Um, plus, I was way too young to know any better. My parents probably should have, but I think I really wanted to go as Mr. T. So anyway, I say those are like the worst and the best. As, as I got older, they kind of just became store bought costumes yeah. or just kind of you know like piece together. Let's throw something on real quick so we can go to a party. So I wouldn't really count those as quality. Hmm. I peaked when I was young. <laughs> it never got better. That was it. Just like life. It never gets better. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with John and Garrett. How are you doing, fellas? Doing great. We just saw Halloween, two thousand eighteen. We, we That's did. That's true. Stoked. Halloween twenty eighteen. Oh man, eight more days till Halloween. Oh, that's Halloween three, the one that doesn't exist. Oh, that's right. Everything's been retconned, guys. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> so yeah, we just went to the theater and uh, saw Halloween two thousand eighteen. Halloween twenty eighteen. IMDb describes it as such. Lori Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. That's really all you need to know. This was directed by David Gordon Green. Uh, he's done Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, Your Highness, and Pineapple Express. It was written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, um, which is actually pretty surprising to find out whenever that's, this was all coming out. It didn't surprise me at all because just like when everyone was like kind of worried that uh, Jordan Peele, you know, like he's a comedy guy. He's not going to be able to write a horror movie. Like if you watch Vice Principals, Eastbound and Down, um, Key and Peele, those sketches, even their comedy stuff is dark. It is like really dark. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, they have the chops. Now, there's always that chance that maybe they'll try to infuse too much humor, but I thought they did a great job. No doubt. And, and I'm not saying it's so surprising that they would pick those guys in particular. It's surprising that um, they would even be considered for like a giant horror franchise like this. You know what I mean? Get, uh, I know they're Jordan, huge fans. Uh, Jordan Peele came in and made his own thing. You know That's what I mean? true. That's true. This is an established franchise. So it was surprising to see Danny McBride get attached to it like that. I think possibly because of the success of those two guys, that is maybe what allowed them to get their foot further in the door than maybe someone else coming in and be like, I want to remake Halloween. You know, you're like, whoa. What was the um, the fee- the overall feeling and health of the Halloween franchise before this one came out? Not great. Not, I mean, it kind of it kind of run its course. It had kind of, and I'm no expert, but um, you know, it it had kind of died out. I mean, Halloween 
H2O, I believe, was the last thing that we had. Um, and that was kind of the the bookend. Um, that's where Laurie That came after strode. the remakes? Uh, no, that was before the remakes. Okay, okay so I guess the, the, the zombie Halloweens. Halloween 2. His, his Halloween 2 was the yeah, last Halloween. Yeah, Halloween 2 was the last. Um, but in the, the main non-rebooted franchise, uh, H2O. Mm-hmm. So, um, and before that, Resurrection with Buster Rhymes. Shout out to Buster Rhymes conglomerate where you guys at um so yeah no um i would say h2 and that kind of put an end to it like you know it killed my you know they killed michael myers Lori died in that spoiler alert for h2o but, whoa um, bro but yeah they retcon all that like 20 years old it's true i hadn't seen it yet though yeah and that was 20 years from when it happened <laughs> though so um you should should i no it's actually not bad it, some of the twists and turns in it are kind of like entertaining but for at the time what we had been getting it was a decent return to form. That's about where we were with it. And then the, the zombie stuff, which people were very divided on. I very thought the remake was good, and I, I've yet to watch the sequel based uh, on what you said about it. I like the uh, remake, the sequel. Hmm. Not so good. Yeah. The remake had some decent things. I, I really like what they brought with the Loomis stuff. And we talked about this in a previous yeah. episode. Go check out the previous episode. But yeah, we talked about this. There was, there was certain aspects that were really good, but I just feel like he really missed the mark on what made Michael Myers Michael Myers. And this movie today really like shows that even more that zombie kind of missed it. You know, he kind of made a monster in um, his Halloween remakes and this one it's subtlety. It's all quiet subtlety. I mean, intense, drastic subtlety, but like all you ever hear is breathing. You know, when he stabs, you don't hear a grunt, you don't hear a growl, you just see movement. And that's kind of what makes him so scary to me. That's why he's one of like my top people is like, he's just, he's there and you don't even fucking know. Well, up until this point, I'd only seen of the originals. I only seen the first one, and then season of which it doesn't really count. Um, John, you watched all of them? No, not all of them, but I've seen the first one. Uh, yeah, seasons of the witch, H two O, Resurrection, and then the two remakes. Halloween two is really good. Yeah, you I, guys, I would I would recommend watching Halloween two, um, even though this movie today um, kind of negates that one it's actually a really decent sequel and it takes place literally like the moment the first one ends I think it I may have right seen, is that in the hospital yes i have seen yeah. that one that's yeah. one of the, the stuff with and, like, sam hayne a nurse in the head or something yeah that's the stuff where his sam hayne starts coming and you kind of like realize that maybe there's something more um oh, maybe I have supernatural seen one, right? to uh, michael myers than or the shape for yeah. all you og people out there So this movie stars Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, <laughs> Judy, Let's pull it back here. Judy Greer as Karen, Andy Matichak as Allison, James Jude Courtney and Nick Castle as The Shape, Haluk Belgener as Dr. Sartain, and Will Patton as Officer Hawkins. What do you guys think about the uh, kind of the new trend going in? We touched on it before of kind of negating all the sequels and taking it back to the first one. We've got that coming up with Terminator, Robocop, Halloween's kicking on this off this new trend. Same thing with Leprechaun. I don't know if you saw that, John. Um, Sci-Fi mm-hmm. is doing a new Leprechaun movie, and it is going to take place right after the first one. Thank God. I'm sure that's going to be a great, great film. <laughs> What's really holding Leprechaun back are the sequels. Well, I mean, well, how do you feel about that, Garrett? You've, you've seen all the Halloweens. John, you've, you've seen a handful of them. Like, how does it feel to have those retcon, like... We've lived with those stories for 20, 30 years now. It doesn't really change my life at all. I wasn't like heavy into Halloween lore or the lore of Terminator or any of that kind of shit where it's like, I mean, so it doesn't bother me at all in any way. Like knowing that, oh, Halloween H2O isn't in canon anymore doesn't really like, doesn't 
right, I'm still gonna watch it. Cool, you know, whatevs. I think with the time that passes on a franchise like this or Nightmare on Elm Street or you know, once you get to like eight or nine movies, you have a little more liber- liberty to kind of like go back and kind of like tweak and adjust. Um, I don't know. Like if they did this after like after Halloween two came out and they they did this and they were like, oh, Halloween two doesn't exist. I think I'd be a little more like annoyed and bummed, kind of like, well, fuck, you know, like that wasn't a bad movie. Why are we negating it? But we have gone through quite a few movies where it's like, oh boy, here we go. You know, like I have no problem with them negating some. Now, H two O. That's I feel a little bit weird about that because I'm kind of like I think well, it writes them in a corner though because now that all right, Michael Myers isn't supernatural supposedly. But he does some weird ass well, shit. Well, that we in this know movie. of yet. We, I mean, they could still explore that, and they could explore it a different way. So maybe, yeah, I, I agree. This one they but did by not, not make touching. Him. They claim to have retconned everything, but he seems to have maintained some of the power creep that he got over the last eight movies. I did. This does not uh. seem the same level of po- power that he has in Halloween One. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this he gets shot and he gets back up. You Which know? they never even touch. And then on, Loomis but... in, in Halloween two, or at the end of Halloween one, but in the, in the beginning of part two, you know, Loomis is like, I put six shots in him and he got back up. You know, I mean, yeah, but... he still has that power. Um, I don't think he did anything in this movie that was out of character. I, well, and that's if, one if thing he's we not out to... of character, then it's bad writing because he had listen. I disagree with you on this movie. I think it was boring and not really good at all. Really, I was bored the whole time. Holy shit. The whole time. I was like, what is happening? Wow. It's exposition heavy. All they do is talk about shit constantly. And also, it was not done right by its trailers. All the good scenes were in the trailers, which sucked all the enjoyment out of them. The few scenes that weren't in the trailer, it does this thing, and this happened so much, it was distracting, where they show a character alive, go confront Michael, cut away, come back, and they're dead. And it's like, oh my God, can I see the death? Like, well, that's the, the first part. The first one did that a lot too, you know, like when you see yeah. the boyfriend like pinned up against the wall. Sure, maybe There's, that was this cool whole movie 40 is, years ago. It's but... like peppered with homage. And they treated this, this, yeah. this I don't want to call it a remake, but they treated this like continuation with such respect for the first one. I mean, they credit if, Mustafa. Right, but they, if that know, had happened once, I'd be like, oh, cool, cute homage. Happen, it happens like at least three times. What are you talking about? We see him jam a knife through someone's throat. We see Every him single stomp a dude's head open. That was like the best We see kill. him drop teeth over. Yeah, well, in the trailer also. That, so that's okay, well, that, that was that it was robbed by its trailer, right? Ah, we see, I don't think we so. see him strangle someone. He st- likes to stab people in the back. Um, and then he stomps on someone's head. Also, he... He breaks a bunch of necks. He chokes Is he super strong or is he not super strong? He's super strong. strong. He's super strong. Then how is uh, Lori able to go hand-to-hand combat with him? She pushes him away from her a number of times. Is she super strong too? Well, she pushes him away after she blows his finger. We're we're totally getting ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I mean... She's being strangled in that weird mannequin room. She fucking has like a karate fight with him. She pulls a knife out and slashes his hand and she bites his, when she pushes him away, I don't know if you saw it because it was really dark, yeah. she bites his hand where she blew his fingers okay, off earlier. But for other people, that's going to pause anybody. Mm, for other people, he's able Come to, here, let me cut your fingers off. He's able, well, I'm not super strong, but he's <laughs> able to crush their heads with his hand. He had her by the door and it took him, his power is inconsistent. I imagine there's plot armor, fine, whatever. And it wouldn't be so bad if they weren't make, playing it up. Also, I kind of agree with Dave in the beginning of this movie. They play him up to be this super evil person. They're like, all right, he killed five people. That's a lot of people, but I mean, 
it's not like the most amazing serial killer on See, earth. I think you're, I think you're being desensitized by, by maybe modern horror movies where they sure. just give you, they give you everything and but don't let you your imagination work. If you a successful work, franchise, you got to capture some of that audience. Well, the, 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 original, was the original one, I think had like, like six or seven deaths total. This one had 16 deaths in it. So yeah. it, they upped the but body maybe count. maybe like five of those were on screen. But they show the, the aftermath is gruesome. When they show the, the boyfriend, like, knifed up against the wall like by three his neck. Seconds. Well, I mean, we're not going to, it's not an Eli Roth film, bro. We're not going to sit Fair, there and but dig it's a through the slasher movie, head. Right. It's meant to be a slasher movie. There's certain expectations that come with that. At least in 2018, maybe, you know, 1978. I don't know. Freddie, we didn't dig through the corpses after Freddie killed him. We saw him kill him and then we cut away to the next yeah, scene. In 1985. You know, well, this is a continuation of the feel of the, right. a 78 movie. But it is sold in a 2018 market. Oh, boy. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think I think I'm gonna have to call back what you guys always tell me. You gotta let some of this stuff go, bro. It's a sure, horror movie. Sure, it would have been great if it were entertaining, but it was very boring. Oh, see, that's so weird because I I would have thought you would enjoy it because this is such a return to like classic horror form. I think it definitely treads the same um, track that number one does, and I think that was on purpose. So a lot of the same stylistic choices that were made in number one sure. were definitely here. Uh, you just recently told me you rewatched the original. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same about the original? No, because it's, one, it's a product of its time, and two, it didn't feel as long. This movie's only 10 minutes longer, I guess, than the original, but it felt like it fucking dragged on forever. Really? It did. It, it, the original one was so much more tightly edited, and it felt like we saw more Michael. A lot of this movie are people driving around talking about Michael or some like high school drama with a boyfriend who, that doesn't go anywhere, by the way. It was just a whole plot to destroy a cell phone. And it's like none of that had anything to do with Michael. And I had a hard time understanding how he ended up the places he ended up. Who? Michael, Michael Myers? He just happened to be wherever he needed to be. Well, right? he has, they mentioned like he could sense the mask at the very beginning. So uh, you should know by now, we'll have to definitely put something beginning. Like there's going to be fucking spoilers. We're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Why don't you do your spoiler? Oh, yes. I don't even, I'm not even pulling a spoiler. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> there we go. We're mouthing We're Michael Winslow in it. Michael Winslow, is that it? The guy yes. from okay, man. Lost I was the like, bloops, I, the sloops. <laughs> we Kanye it's in the this. Creeps. The creeps. We've the been bleeps. jammed. <laughs> um, so yeah, like when they when they show up to the um, the facility and they bring the, the investigative reporter show up to the facility to show Michael yeah. the mask. They're like, oh, he's known you're here. And like later on, they talk about how like he can sense the. He's like, you can sense it, can't you? You can tell where it is. Michael Myers has something about him that is more supernatural than it's let on. Yeah. But that's the mystery of that character. We're Can not he supposed also to teleport? Know. No, he doesn't have to tell. He drove the car away from the accident. He but, killed that kid. They killed a kid. That was One the, the most insane like, scene. They murder a kid. Yeah. It's like, whoa. I actually did literally say damn when that happened. And I thought, okay, this movie's about to get serious, but then it didn't. I swear when he when he goes, once he's back in town, he he does there's a great scene that mimics um Halloween two when he goes in and uh, kills the old lady. Um I thought he was gonna kill that baby. I did too. I was like, yeah. whoa, if they killed this baby, I, th- we have a real serious questionable like <laughs> thing here. But uh, he didn't. He let it go, which the whole movie, though, and this is what's so unique about this movie is the fact they took the original and they kind of like, as you said, there's a lot of exposition and a lot of yeah. like dialogue, but they really are calling into the question, what makes the killer the killer? What makes a survivor? How does it shape a survivor afterwards? Like that scene where there's a scene where um, Lori's granddaughter. Yeah, they did a really bad job making me understand why I'm supposed to care about some of these people too. Like that babysitter. Like, okay, is she she's the friend of Allison. Yeah, I didn't she's understand. The of Allison. Okay, were- why was he even there though? 
how did he get to that house? Why was he at that? Because we see him walk in. He kills that lady. He gets a hammer. Then he's somehow, if he wasn't a mass murderer, by the way, he'd be the best cat burglar on earth. He's seven feet fucking tall. He mouth breathes, but he's also a ninja. And Um, that's what's so scary about Michael Myers. The shape is literally everywhere and nowhere. You don't, like everyone just catches a glimpse. You don't hear him. That's what makes him so scary. You don't hear him until it's too late and then you're fucked, bro. Like even when he's like stabbing uh, the babysitter, oh my God, we're jumping all over. But even when he's stabbing the babysitter, like he's not making a, a noise. It's just like you hear the knife and that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's what's so scary great, about but, yeah. it. It's, it's so weird to hear you say this because this is such like what I define as like quality horror. Like the suspense is there. It's not relying on just nonstop gore to sell you on, oh, that's scary. Like, mm-hmm. Honestly, as, since we've been doing this more and more, I've become desensitized to some of these kills I see in these movies. And that honestly kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, part of me is like, I shouldn't be becoming used to seeing someone's head ripped open. Like, that's weird for me. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's it's fiction. I'm not like, you know, like, <laughs> oh my God. But um, let me ask you, see, John. Yeah. Uh, you, you've stated in the past that Nightmare on Elm Street is your go-to like horror franchise, Yeah, I do love right? that franchise. Do you think the fact that those villains are supernatural of the dream world, have like crazy powers versus Michael Myers, who could just be a person in a mask, does that kind of taint your view of him in the slasher genre? Maybe. What I think is, is that they, if, he, if they just said he was a person, that might have been more scary, or if they just at least acknowledge that he's doing some supernatural shit, I would have been like, all right. But they try to play him straight, but also give him enough powers to do what he needs to do at any given second of the movie. And it's so obvious because it's so inconsistent. So does the the, the fact that you don't have a defined power set, is that maybe. what you're struggling yeah, with? Yeah, maybe that's it, right? It feels, it's too nebulous for me. Okay. But he didn't, all he did was stab people and crush people. I mean, like, his but he's power talking set is to be defined. like being able to show up in places where right. he needs to be and things like okay, that. Well, they, in the first movie, he does drive a car around. Right. That's we cool. Needed, I think we needed a scene Something. of that in this one. Or but we, show well, we him. saw that when he drove when he, the bus crashed. He he stole a car. He drove to the gas station when he left the gas in station. In the first movie, he had a defined like thing, right? He kept, he was stalking uh, uh, Lori around, right? So that explained how and where he was going. Here, he's killing random people, then somehow, you know, he's these two kids are going through a shortcut, somehow he happens to be in this backyard. It's like, okay, why is he there? What What's, like, I, what's his motivation in this movie? Because I could not tell. I think he's just scouring for Lori and stuff still. And right, along but, the way, he's like, well, we gotta take care of this. The movie does not tell you this. I think it's implied. I think it's the subtle implication of like, you know, he has no motivation. I mean, granted, I'll, I'll give that to you. It's not, it's not spelled out. And yes, I'm probably reading into that, but to and, me, that just kind of fits his, his MO is just kind of like walk around until he finds no, what he's supposed in to find. Every other Halloween movie he has, except for three, of course, he has a motivation. It is kill Lori. And that's still the same thing. That's motiva- still the same thing. It's okay. just, he's, he's going from place to place kind of looking for her. But he's not her. following her. He's just well, sort he, of zigzagging well, he doesn't around. know where she is yet. He doesn't run into her until he kills that babysitter. And I think he's killing people to get Lori's attention to bring her there. They should mention that. Or in some way, they just give no motivation for what Michael is doing. Because when he kills that babysitter, he hangs around that house and is looking out the window until Lori shows up. He's not like continuing his search. He's like, I'll kill people. They will fucking show up here and that will get me to where I need to be. Except, now, granted, you're right. They do not explain that thoroughly. They don't but see, explain that's it at what all. I, but see, that's what I got out of it, though. I guess I guess I was able to piece that together just kind of 
understanding Michael Myers maybe more than you do, but not like in a bad, I'm not saying like it's an insult, but But, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I could headcanon what he's doing, right? But the movie should explain that. That's the job of a movie, especially if they're trying to relaunch a franchise in a horror universe. You're not going to have enough hardcore Halloween fans left in the world to sustain the kind of money that they're going to expect from a Halloween movie, right? So if a regular- Except this movie's already exceeding like financial expectations. Sure, all right. Um, Based on a really great trailer, but if, the, if everyone's walking out of that movie bored and confused, they're going to be like, I don't want to see Halloween 3. I think the movie should have shown and given a little more implication of what was happening. I think they needed the shot of Michael Myers driving a car. Yeah. I mean, we know he drove the car, but we needed a scene of him getting out of the car. You know what I mean? Like, but they show him driving a car. I don't though. remember that at he all. Takes, that. When he gets out of the bus, he kills that kid, takes that car, pulls up they to the gas station they in don't the car. show that. They do show it. Okay, maybe I missed it, but I did not sure. see him in the car. And, th- and then, like, after he pulls up in that, like, the gas station, you know, like, when he's walking from house to house, it's not a huge town. You know what I mean? It's like kind of a, kind of a small neighborhood. He's, he's walking around in the neighborhood. So, granted, I see what you're saying. There is no, like, from point A to point B to point C, and there's no, like, definitive, like, why he's going to B to C to D. And there's no reference point for me to hook on and understand how is he moving around this town. Not, like, physically how. He's driving or he's walking. That's the creepiness of Michael Myers. But they don't sell it then. It comes across as him randomly showing up where he needs to be. He's like... but that's what's so creepy about him is he's the shape, man. He just, sh- that shape shows up. Well, you can write off every plot hole then like that. Well, that's what's so creepy, right? He can just magically do this thing that he needs to do. So to the man kill. who can kill people in dreams just Wait, because he got he burned to death. But he has a defined death. power set and he has a motivation and we understand a that. A defined power set, the man does whatever he wants in every right. movie. That's the power. in Within <laughs> dreams, power though. do whatever the fuck he wants. Sure, but they're up oh, front. Oh, this is becoming like heated. No, I love this. but they're up front with that. They, all right, when you are in Freddy's dream world, he is God. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. All right, is that a really wide power set? Of course, but at least it's defined. Here, he he can sense the mask. He can sense, I don't know what else he can sense. Well, once I don't he gets I don't the think mask, he can sense anything else. Okay, he so once he gets like the mask, the mask mm-hmm. what's his next step? To find Lori. Okay, does, it, does the movie explain that at all? Well, sort of. The things he does, he basically keeps going to places that like the Allison, okay, granted, there is a few plot holes here where like Allison's on the phone, like, Hey, we're going to show up to the babysitter's house. Yeah. He goes there, but he's not at the dance. So I don't know how he knows that. So I'll give you that part. But the thing is though, is I think he's just going place to place doing what he's got to do walking through the, going through the motions. That's the old neighborhood. But you it's know, so like, confusing because an army of cops are about and they seem to somehow never cross paths. So he's in this four block radius. Well, army of cops. Let's say like maybe like six well, to 10 cops. Okay, fine. 10 cops are driving around this four block neighborhood and have never crossed paths with him except for when they need to. And um, Oh my God, you are this is the <laughs> one movie you decide to nitpick on like, well, the cops should be better at this. How come just, people didn't see him behind the, the tree? It just felt confusing is all. Oh, I am totally going to give John the fact that he was in the backyard where the kid was trying to make a move on the granddaughter. Yeah. That How did he end up sense. there? There was no reason for him to be in the shortcut. But other, otherwise than that, it didn't bother. You're me. right. We shouldn't let any of this go, you guys. It's a horror movie. We need to piece not every saying, fucking detail. I'm done with this. I'm not going to argue about this. I think the you made him You're going to have to. <laughs> yeah, not mad. It's just like the thing is, you guys bust my balls about like. Hey, you don't you guys it. me. I haven't said a word this whole time. You're part of this. If you're not part <laughs> of the solution, said, you're part said, of the problem, Mark. <laughs> I said that John is well, we correct in that one instance. I agree with him. Everything else didn't bother me. Look, I'm up here and I need to be down I here, guys. I am up here. Okay. 
calm down. I know you love this franchise. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I enjoy the franchise. It is definitely one of my favorite horror franchises. But like, you guys are busting Michael Myers' balls <laughs> to a degree that you've never busted any other horror person's balls in any That's of the movies done not so true. far. We've torn apart many people's balls. <laughs> Welcome back to Ball Talk. Yeah. I'm also not busting any balls. I'm just sitting here listening to both of you go back and forth. Point, counterpoint, yes, the Michael Myers edition. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. We right. get it. You you found it to be not as descriptive and narrative as it needed to be. I, I think I we think kind of pieced I think we know together. why that is. I think John has a uh, a love for the supernatural slasher. True. This is more, you know, attached to reality, if you will. We don't have a defined power set for Michael Myers, and that bothers John. It does. And we don't have a clear motivation. Those are the four points that is yeah. hanging John Well, his up. motivation is there. It's to find Lori. Not for know, this movie, though. And I don't know the supernatural He gets bits. out, and he goes and kills, and I know that's part of the Michael well, he Myers. He goes to get the mask, and then he goes to start kill people to try to, like, track down Lori. You you say this, but I didn't get that out of the film. Okay. To well, track then, down Lori was right. never explained. Which, the fact that three of us are, are debating this so it means the movie didn't do what it needed to do. Right, the, a movie's job is to tell the story. It is so. If as audience members, we have to sort of glue the story together. It didn't didn't accomplish. If what only it's it was as clean cut as Leprechaun Four. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, Leprechaun Four owns that it's a bad movie. All right, right? so we're gonna. I, move, let's I move understand. On. Let's I move understand on. that Michael's desire to probably get Laurie killed once and for all yeah. is probably what his goal is, but they don't well, ever they mention that multiple times in the movie. They're like, is it his drive to basically like, did he, the that's doctor, them. Dr. Zakarian or whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> is like what drives him? Because that's the thing is this whole movie is about questions, questions that we don't have answers to. And like to make the audience think like, cause that scene where, um, Allison, Allison's the granddaughter, Allison's the granddaughter in the school. And she looks out the window In the first movie, you see Michael Myers out there watching Lori. This time you see Jamie Lee Curtis staring at Allison, almost like the roles have reversed, like almost like Jamie Lee Curtis has become almost her own kind of monster in a way based off what happened to her. And you could argue that by having her kid taken away from her and like the life she lives that like, it's kind of like a, what toll does it take on her? And can you, again, there's so many, like they pose so many, like, Hey, Think about this. You may never thought about this before, but what if this? And I what thought about all this that person? was interesting. I liked seeing that. When the, the investigative reporters yeah. and the doctor are talking about Michael Myers, they're like, what drives him? You know, we have to know. And that's actually what the doctor becomes one of his like white whale Ahab type things. He has to know what drives Michael. But he was like, does Michael keep living because of his desire to kill Lori? Does Lori keep living because of her desire to kill Michael? You know, like all these questions are posed. Now, granted, they don't answer them. That's what makes it so kind of creepy to me is the unknown, you know, like, holy shit, what is driving these people? You know, like, how is he able to know to go to here to there? You know, is he just killing people randomly to try to draw attention to get Lori there? Does he actually sense something? And I think what you wanted is that to actually be answered on the screen. Is, is that, is I mean, that what I'm to saying? To an extent, like I okay. don't, I don't need him to be like, "Here's a 30 minute exposition." Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. But like, to make that clearer to you, line, yeah, of like, "Oh, here's what I think he's going to do." Like, here's what I think okay. his goal, his plan is. I, like I said, I can see what you're saying. I just think it's. I, I thought that was that was. I thought it was just portrayed enough in the film as it was. You know, kind of like using the context clues that we got to piece it together. The but majority anyway. of what we're talking about did not bother me at all. I like this movie. But I'm I'm just saying that the film itself, I, I can see John's points. Yeah, I can see John's yeah. point too. I just it, think that like maybe, I just don't know if like maybe like that's the expectation we should have with Michael Myers or Halloween movies. 
But you know, because I thought the first one did it right. That was made forty hey, years ago. Not the nun. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some of the shit that happens in this movie because there's some really cool stuff. So the uh, the movie opens up way back at the beginning of the film um, <laughs> with a podcaster and an investigative reporter. They, they go visit Michael at his... Uh, well, they're just investigative reporters. That was the cover story he used to try to like trick oh, his okay, way in. Yeah. And then she was like, drop the bullshit. And so they go to the um, institution where Michael is. They show him the mask. Um, gets no reaction. It was a great scene if they didn't spoil it in the trailer. I, this movie was fucked by its trailer, man. It oh, really see, was. I thought it really got me hyped. But yes, I can <laughs> see like the importance of that scene and the tooth thing. Yeah. That would have been nice to have well, its impact and later the babysitter closing the door like if you didn't know that was coming that would have been a great scene i think it's a double-edged sword right you got to get people's butts in the seats and but then when you give away some amazing stuff like that by the time you see it in the movie it has like you said it's lost its impact yeah but anyway so they go to (laughs) they go to the asylum and they basically try to get a reaction out of uh myers michael i've got some people who'd like to meet you hello michael my name is aaron corey I've been following your case for years and still know very little about you. I'd like to know more. About that night, about those involved. Do you ever think about them, Michael? Feel guilt about their fate? I borrowed something from a friend at the Attorney General's office, Michael. You feel it, don't you, Michael? Feel the marks. Say something, Michael. Say something, Michael. They find out that he's going to be transferred to a non, like, nice facility, just kind of like a standard prison facility. Um, Then they go talk to Lori. Lori's living out in the middle of nowhere, completely, like, compounded up. She's got guns, traps. Her house is like a... A massive like mix of like she's a doomsday prepper. Yeah. She's got a basement with everything she could possibly need in case some shit went down. Yeah, that part was cool. The the reporters get inside to talk to her. They're like, Hey, we're podcasters. And she's like, No, we're not, we're investigative reporters. And he's like, Uh, we had some questions. She's like, We'll pay you three thousand bucks. And then Lori's like, Okay, come on in. That's where we get a bunch of exposition when you find out that Lori had a kid. The kid was taken away because she like went all crazy doomsday prep because she knew Michael Myers would come back at some point. You find out she had a granddaughter. The male reporter is kind of the male. Yeah, the male reporter is kind of being a bit of an ass. He's all like, "So do you still believe in the boogeyman?" And she's just like cold blooded, like "fuck you," like is, very politely, just kind of like get the fuck out. He is pretty much a dick to everybody he talks to. Even Michael's like yeah. waving the mask as like, "What does this do, Mike?" Yeah, give, get you hard. Yeah, most of the dudes think, in this movie are fucking. This is a weird movie because the role reversal is so weird. All the dudes are pussies and dicks. And all the women are strong and independent and had their shit together. Yes, I this sure. Is, I'm this is sure. a very strong, like, female yeah. independent movie, you know, kind of like, yo, go see it, feminist. <laughs> it's, um, it's dope. I mean, because it's like when Lori, like, first opens up the door, like, you get no bullshit. You know that she's ready to fuck some shit up. So anyway, she kicks him out. And we find out that they're very inconsequential to the overarching story. Yeah, they I get thought killed they'd be more important. Like 20 minutes. I think they were there for just exposition and also to pose a yeah. bunch of questions of like, hey... You know, like, well, what about this? What about that? Just to kind of get the audience thinking about the broader stuff. So when things start going down, you can apply those questions to the actions that we're seeing. That's what I thought they were there for. So then we cut to Lori's kid. 
uh, Karen and her granddaughter and her daughter, which is Lori Strode's granddaughter. You get the family dynamic. The husband's there. Yeah, we find out that it's a it's not a great home life. The it's daughter estranged. was taken away at twelve years old. She's kept uh, Lori at arm's length. Tried to keep her away from her, her granddaughter for most of her life. The granddaughter definitely wants to have her part of her life. She wants her back in. But the mom's gonna, like, no, it's not smart. Um, because Lori can't get over the events, right? Because Lori knows that at any point this shit could come back. And also Lori's become completely obsessed with taking Michael Myers out. And it's become an obsession. And like the mom's like, I don't need that in my life. My, my daughter doesn't need that in her life. So they definitely kind of an estranged uh, relationship. So they decide to move Michael to a lower... No, uh, higher security. A higher security yes. prison. And then I was going to ask you, this definitely happened in the remake, right? The, they oh, the tra- bus crash? The yes. bus crash has happened multiple times now yeah, in this franchise, Yeah, that's a pretty right? stock yeah. how he escapes okay. method. I, w- I was feeling a lot of retread on this movie up until it really shifted and became its own thing. But, that was all homage. Like, I wrote yeah. down a bunch of the homage stuff. Like, so some of the masks that the kids were wearing are the Halloween 3 masks, the skeleton and the pumpkin head. They look oh, almost, were they? They look almost identical. So I think nice. that was like a nod to it. <laughs> the gas station... After you kind of see the home life stuff, we cut back to the reporters and they're stopping to get gas. Michael Myers pulls up in a car, walks out, walks in the background, inside, kills the people at the gas station, then eventually attacks the investigator reporter in the bathroom, which we see from the trailer, drops the teeth Mm -hmm. in. The other male reporter comes in. He bashes that guy senseless and then kills the, the woman reporter. But that gas station is remade to look exactly like the gas station from part four. So that's like a, a dead on accurate thing. Uh, the lady later on, uh, Michael Myers goes to the house where he walks in after the lady and kills her with the hammer. That's a direct shot for shot, like camera pans, walk, follow from part two. And then Lori outside the school when she's staring in at um, Allison. Mm-hmm. I don't keep on saying Angie. <laughs> Allison, that's from part one. This movie is... They were so respectful. They put a lot of that stuff in to kind of make it feel natural, but they did twist it a little bit to kind of make it just like where Laurie's out there instead of Michael Myers. So there's a lot of homage. So the fact that it feels kind of similar mm-hmm. at a lot of points, I think was intentional. I think that was maybe... Yeah, again, it, none of this bothered me, but I was yeah, yeah, noticing yeah. like, oh, we've done this part. We've done this before. Okay. But oh, yeah. uh, it still felt... I was still enjoying my time with it. Um, yeah. So the bus crashes. He gets out. Like Mike's on loose, and then a random car uh, with a dad and a son are going hunting, and they stop to get out and help while well, the dad's killed immediately. And then we have a very uh, tense scene with a, a kid walking around with a shotgun or a rifle, rather. Rifle, yeah. Um, trying to find his dad. Seeing if anybody's alive. And he walks on the bus, and the doctor, the, the new Loomis, as he's referred to later on in the movie pops up out of nowhere and is like, don't shoot, don't shoot, and gets shot immediately by the kid because the kid panics. Which, this is something on the second watch I really wondered about. The doctor later on, we find out that didn't want Michael Myers to go to the other facility, wasn't done with his research, wanted to continue what Loomis was doing, had to know what made Michael Myers tick. Do you think that doctor helped orchestrate the bus crash to get him out so he would have an opportunity again to get into the mind of Michael, see how he operates, see what he does, given the chance again. Well, the movie never tells us why the bus crashed. No. So and, it could have been sabotaged yeah. by the doctor. And we, we do find out later on the doctor is not opposed to doing some bullshit. Yeah, but, and that's what I was saying when the movie kind of becomes its own thing. Is that, yes. That's turning That was point. a great moment. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, so yeah. Michael Myers is on the loose. He's working his I way I do wish you would have explained how the bus fucking crashed, though, because when you see the security that Michael Myers is under, but anyway. Let's well, there's only like one driver and the doctor on this right, bus. Right, but he's got his hands bound to, you know, like, 
I guess, can he break this, handcuffs? This is what I'm saying. Is that the... this, oh, he's strong enough to probably do that. But like, this is what I'm saying. Even maybe at 65. The... Yeah, right. He's also old. It's Maybe the doctor did help orchestrate this because right. maybe like the doctor stabbed the driver and the cool. bus crashed. That I mean, could have been some great complexity, but I wish we as audience members didn't have to see, I think imagine the, what happened. I think the not knowing adds to the mystery of the whole story. Right, but I didn't pay $11 to make up my own story, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So anyway, Michael Myers is back in the loose. He's... He's tracking down Lori. He's going from place to place. We discussed an ad nauseum earlier <laughs> what the the point A to point B is about, but we kind of get I really stuff. enjoyed the scene of him going down the street during trick-or-treating hours and going from house to house, just murdering and upgrading his weapon. Because <laughs> he video game. Yeah. Started out with a hammer, then boom, goes in the house, got a knife, boom, and he's going from house to house. Um, and again, at this point, I think it was just, you know, was he looking for Lori, or is I think he was just going through the motions. I don't think he was trying to draw Lori. Well, he's out back at this in some point. of the old neighborhood. I think he's yeah. going through what was familiar to him to basically kind of. I don't think he even knew. I think it's like this. This un again when the doctor and the investigator reports like what drives this man? What drives this killer? Because Loomis's tapes get played and he's all like, "It needs to die. It needs to die." That's true because Loomis gets it. We don't understand this. It's going to, you know, he's going to kill. I don't even know if Michael Myers knows exactly what he's doing. I think it's just like this instinctual drive to go after. And they talk about the predator-prey imprinting thing a little bit later, too. The doctor mentions it. I think that's kind of what they were going for as the excuse of how he knows where to look. But again, it's it's not clear, as you guys said. At this point, the the granddaughter, Allison, is going to go to a dance. She goes there with her boyfriend. Her friend has to babysit that night. This is Halloween, um, the day of Halloween. Yeah. And so she goes to make a phone call. She's like, well, we'll come over afterwards to your place, and uh, we'll hang out. We'll bring the weed. And the, the little kid. The Alakazam or whatever. Yeah, the little kid that uh, the babysitter is babysitting is like, I know y'all talking about weed. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that, a, was a, that was a great scene. I really enjoyed that I part. think that's the humor stuff you were hearing about, Mark. Yeah, I was a little cautious when I, I was starting to hear, like, it's got so so much great humor, and I was like, oh, no. Like, what does that imply for a Halloween movie? Yeah, it should not know? be a comedy, but it, I don't yeah. think it was. I thought they did it well. No, it was well written into the, like you uh, were telling me, it's, like, situational, mm -hmm. you know, more than just, like, cracking jokes, like, what are you supposed to be, a Jason Voorhees knockout? You know, I could see a bad writer doing something yeah, like that. that kid, man, that little kid, though, he was so great. He's, He's all, Dave, don't go up there you're gonna fucking die <laughs> like he just runs out the yeah. house it was like this dude gets it but also that's another thing when they're making out on the couch the babysitter and dave her boyfriend are making out on the couch she hears a noise and she's like hey go check that out and he's like do i have to and she's like um yeah so he gets up the little kid runs downstairs like someone's upstairs scares the shit out of dave dave's like oh man the girl's like go check it out and he's like no She's like, fine, I'll go do it. And the little kid's like, no, make Dave go do it. Like every dude in this movie is like a kind of a like pussy. Yeah. I'm just like, dude, go check on that noise. Your lady's in the house. You have a kid. Be a fucking man. Walk upstairs and see what the fuck's going on. Now, granted, he would have gotten killed. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't have changed anything. They no, both died. But so. dude, at least go out with like some fucking chivalry or some goddamn well, he, dignity. He, he tries to. He's like, oh, fuck that. And he grabs a butcher oh. knife and then runs upstairs. And the next after time we see him, he's dead. No, yeah, his, after yeah. he hears his girlfriend screaming bloody murder, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to go up there. And it's like, you should have been up there yeah. first. So I do want to call out a couple of modules that I liked. Um, we got the boyfriend being lifted off his feet and stuck into the wall via mm -hmm. knife. 
we got the ghost sheet like mm-hmm. from the, the original where right. that happened. So those were nice homages. But we don't see know. any of those till like 40 minutes after he kills them. Not 40 minutes. Like, <laughs> like, that's a bit like long. Five, 10 yeah, minutes. It's whenever maybe. the sheriff or the uh, officer no, Hawkins it's like much shows up. Closer to the end yeah. of the movie, but the sheriff shows up at the babysitter house, finds the, the ghost corpse, the, the, the babysitter covered in the sheet, homage to the ghost, finds the boyfriend pinned up against the wall with a knife Michael Myers is in the house. Lori shows up at this house also, sees him upstairs, and that's when she shoots through the window, the thing we see in the trailer, yep. realizes the, the sheriff turns around, sees Michael. He's like, Michael, stop, and shoots at him a couple times. Lori gets a he shot He just off. shoots at the fucking wall. There's no way he would have ever possibly. Yeah, it was not a great shot. I'll give you that. It was, he was, Michael was already gone. That doesn't bother me because whatever, he panic shot. I get it. But he was so far away. <laughs> yeah, no, it was way off. So also, anyway. Lori fired around into that house. The cop didn't seem to notice. Right. Anyway, she had like a 45. She also totally clips Michael and they never, ever, ever mention it. It was a blood. It was a like a liquidy pop yeah. on his shoulder yeah. right? and, and they never show the, the wound yeah. right? and that's a big because ass the man gun. is driven he's got some kind of thing about him that we're not supposed to understand <laughs> but anyway so Michael basically leaves the house at this point Lori has confirmation that Michael's out and is going on a killing spree the sheriff and Lori who had interactions in the first movie um, are like okay fuck it we gotta take care of this they go pick up Lori's daughter Karen. Um, they're like, we're going to take you out to my compound. So basically the Allison's boyfriend is kind of being a fucking douchebag. He's kind of drunk. He's like making out with this other girl at the dance, gets caught. He goes and throws Allison's phone away because he's a complete fucking prick. And that's the last you'll hear of that character. Yeah, he disappears. And then she walks home with one of the, the comic relief friends and they're kind of like trying to get back home. Makes a move when he shouldn't. She's like, go fuck yourself. He gets killed by Michael Myers. Then she runs to some house and they call the cops and then she gets picked up. So one thing I did want to mention that in the original Halloween, there's points of the film that made me feel like no one else was in this town because it was like Lori running across the street and back to the street. and yeah. No one else is in the neighborhood at the hours but of in, the murders. In the but original in this Halloween, they show the neighbors closing their blinds to her. Okay. I mean, yeah, there was like one moment. But it is that. very convenient that suddenly it's empty in the Right. The After it was just full of trick-or-treaters. Because <laughs> they're screaming bloody murder and no one's like raising an eyebrow in the first right. one. And they start to do that again here where the, every, everybody's off the street and, and Lori's granddaughter's running from house to house. But this time, people answer the door. Yeah. And that's when the cops roll up and find the, the granddaughter like, hey, yeah. what's going on? She's like, dude, got murdered over here. So they go pick up Allison, the new Loomis and the sheriff pick up Allison, put her in the back of the car. Lori's already driving back to her house to get everything prepped. Dr. Sartain and the sheriff are kind of talking now at this point. He's like, what drives them? What's the, you know, what point, what's the point? I have to know, I have to know. And then the sheriff's like, fuck it, I'm going to kill him at this point. We're done. I'm not going to miss a chance to have justice go unanswered. And the the doctor at the point is like, no, you can't kill him, dude. He's mine. And the sheriff's like, we'll see about that. Allison, the granddaughter's in the back seat, like freaking the fuck out still, kind of like still dealing with what she saw. Then they see uh, Michael Myers walking. The cop hits him with the car full on. Yeah. Which was crazy because I was like, oh my God, did they just fucking run Michael Myers over? I thought it was going to be a red herring to be someone else dressed I like him. I thought that too. I was like, oh shit, but that was really him. So the sheriff gets out and is like going to put a fucking bullet in his head. The doctor gets out. I was like, you can't. That's my patient. Pops out what looks like a pin scalpel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stabs the sheriff in the neck to prevent him from killing Michael Myers and then just fucking murders the sheriff like full on. And this is where the film kind of becomes its own thing. It's like, I think the film is kind of done doing the homages for the most part, except for the balcony banister scene that's been in every Halloween movie. Yeah. Also, 
Yeah, the movie gets much tighter after this, but too bad it's like the last 20 minutes. But Yeah, and so at this point, um, the doctor, Zartanian, or whatever. Zartanian. <laughs> yes, he it's is one of a... the three musketeers. Uh, yeah. Zdarsky. Um, Sartain. Sartain. Um, at this point, he's like, so that's what it feels like. Now he's got this weird connection to Michael. Puts on the mask, drags Michael's Myers' body, puts it in the backseat of the cop car with Allison, the granddaughter, and then starts driving to Lori's house because he's like, finally, I'm going to make the reunion that was supposed to happen happen. We're going to see how this thing finally plays out 40 years later. So they're on their way out to Lori's place. Michael Myers wakes up, kills the doctor, like basically smashes him in the front seat, drags him out on the ground. The doctor looks up and he's like, say something, because the doctor just has to know why. And then Michael Myers boot stomps this dude's head open. See, John, that's representative of you, the audience, requesting answers in the movie saying, fuck you, and then it (laughs) smashes your head. Make up your own movie. (laughs) So, yeah, and I mean, that's what makes Michael Myers so creepy to me, though. I was like, we have no idea what drives this monster, and he is driven. But only in this movie, in every other Halloween, we know what drives him. Well, in the first one, we don't know why he targets Lori. Well, we eventually find out. No, we don't. Well, okay, so we've retconned now we've retconned the, the Lori and um, the brother and sister connection. Yeah, that doesn't exist That's anymore. no longer a thing. Uh, as so they said at the beginning of the movie, it's like, oh, that was just something someone made up to make the story yeah. sell better. Um, so that's right. the thing is, and that's why the questions are like, why well, is he okay. targeting Lori? Until this movie retconned it, though, we knew why. Correct, correct. But I think these questions work based off this retcon. But yes, I see your point. <laughs> so we don't even know why he wants to kill Lori? No. And that's the thing is the doctor says, is it because a predator and prey can imprint on each other? What drives them? The thing is, we don't know. That's what's so creepy about it is we don't know why he's obsessed with Laurie Strode. And that's why you're the doctor getting his face smashed in I looking for I think I like answers. this movie even less now. I, I didn't even realize that they retconned away like one of the core. All right. Whatever. Yeah, that was at the very it beginning. Was, it was, they were doing the scene where the three girls walked down the autumn street just like the yeah, original. Yeah. Well, that was and, a boy, but he was very feminine. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been three girls. You don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, there's like, and then there was that story about Lori was Michael's sister and they're like, and the granddaughter's like, no, that was totally made up. Someone wrote that oh, for a I story. I think my brain was like, don't even ingest that information. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we get the final confrontation where Michael Myers goes to this house, which you find out that Lori Strode has booby trapped to no end. She's going at him. She's Kevin from home alone. Yes. She's built herself yeah. a fortress. She's a against grizzly the wet Kevin from Home Alone. Yeah. Basically, it's the kind of house you would have if you had to live with Gary Busey. <laughs> like everything's just booby trapped and like fucked up and you have a exit plans for everything. So Michael appears at the house. Uh, Lori and the daughter are downstairs. Uh, Karen's husband is murdered by Michael. Because that dude's a fucking idiot. He the cops show the up. He rolls outside and he like... Hey, is anybody out there? No response. Well, I guess I'll just walk out here. Sees the cops fucking murdered. Like the dude just has like, again, every man in this movie, just the worst decision. He was nice. He was relatable, but it was just like, dude, you dummy. But you get why he did it. He saw the cops. He's like, maybe they have information about my dog. You wait for the cops to come out to you. You wait for the cops to come to you. Also, all the lights on that cop car were off and it like kind of crash stopped. Like nothing about that scene (laughs) was like, oh, these guys are in a healthy state. He's like, hey, is everything okay? They don't answer. And he's like, well, I guess I should go check this out. I was like, if a cop doesn't answer you that everything's okay, then guess what? It ain't okay. When you're half paying attention, you've got peanut butter on your dick. (laughs) Then you're going to maybe go out there and like He's fucking yo-yoing. He was not taking this situation seriously. 
audience, there's a scene where he says he's got peanut butter on his penis. I didn't just say that. Yeah. So yeah. he gets killed, and you find out that uh, Michael Myers had like decapitated one of the cops and made a, like a jack o' lantern out of its head with that a flashlight shoved crazy. up in I it. I like that part. Yeah, but that's like, when you made realize. a mask. But um, so there's a fight between Laurie and Michael Myers, the which is really downstairs. intense. Like Super when he intense. bashes his hands through the glass and starts like grabbing yeah. her face, lifts her up from behind. Could you imagine being lift up from behind through windows? And this is where she shot his fingers off to get away. Yeah. Yes. And then she starts going room by room to clear it out. She finds him in a room full of fucking mannequins. He gets to drop on her. To be fair, one rule of thumb, do not keep mannequin bodies in your house. I was going to say, yeah. why does Lori Strode have a mannequin well, room? Because she was shooting them out. But I yeah, know, she but should not have had them in the room. Keep in the them house. in the storage room. I agree. Yeah. Those should be outside mannequins only at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> but if she had just closed all the different gates, she would have locked him in the mannequin room. Why did she keep clearing Because she had to make sure they were clear. Because she why? was trying to lock him in the room that he was in. The thing is, remember they said, it, this it, is not my cage, it's a trap. He, she was always expecting Michael to come out there after her, so she built that place Ooh. as to wherever room he was in, she could trap him in and take him the fuck out. Right, so then cl- lock all those little gates, and then when he's struggling, just shoot him. Well, you lock yourself in, too, if you're not no, careful. you lock yourself out in the hallways. But she doesn't Each know where he is, her, but she doesn't know where he is right, at this point. So you lock all the different gates. So either he's going to go down in that basement room, or you've locked him in one of the rooms. It makes sense to me. I mean, she's checking each room. I don't room think she knew where he was. Right, yeah, she did. What if he was in a hall he and then she just cut off all the rooms? Fine. Then he's going to go per her plan but into she that was, basement. She was systematically checking every room when the room is clear. Then yeah. she locked it. No, no. Shut. Right. no I understand if she's that, in the hall with Michael Myers, he's going to fucking fight her in the hall, and she's got nowhere right, to go. But she fought him in a fucking room where she had nowhere to go. But she had the she had advantage where she what was. was he, she got surprised. She had no advantage. And that's where the fight takes place. It's a pretty brutal fight. And then we have the reverse balcony shot where she gets thrown over after getting stabbed in the gut, I think. Well, no, she got slashed in the arm. I could, I could like have that. sworn he stabbed her and then threw her off the balcony. May, oh, you know, I think you're right. I think she did get if stabbed If he did in the stabbed gut. her, she Wolverine healed because it does not come into play mm-hmm. again. She's got that drive band, the <laughs> adrenaline in the drive. But they do the shot where the, the, the character goes over the banister. Michael's looking down at Lori's body. Here's the granddaughter come home. Look, mm-hmm. Then looks back and, and Lori's and she's gone. gone. Which this, is a great homage to that first one. Right. Look, I'm not sorry, older women, um, but she was not getting up after that fall. He fucking threw her off a balcony and she landed hard. With maybe a wife new, uh, a wife new, <laughs> a, a knife wound. <laughs> yeah, with maybe a knife. And she's, I mean, what, 69, adrenaline 70 man. years old? Adrenaline, dude. You'd be surprised what people can do. When maybe it's fucking... all that hardcore prepper training she's maybe, been doing for the last man. 40 years, you know? But she was Again, not just we should not let up. this go because it's a horror movie. We should really dig into how a character is able to do something after being stabbed. I actually did like that scene, though. I, I did <laughs> but nah, it doesn't matter. Let's continue. <laughs> so anyway, everything gets back inside. The granddaughter gets downstairs with the mom in the basement, the secure basement. Michael Myers gets tricked to coming back in the house, pulls open the, the door. The daughter at this point does this great thing where she acts like she can't do it. She's like, mom, I can't shoot him. I can't do it. Oh my God. Michael Myers is like, Oh, vulnerability walks into the opening. And then the daughter's like, gotcha, you son of a bitch. Like she knew she was playing him. She was actually taken away from Lori at age 12. So it was very believable as us, the audience could think, Oh, she's not going to be able to do this after all. Except for the fact that what's great about that is 
she was prepared and trained at that early age, even though she didn't want a part of it and right. she ran away from it. At the end, she played, she used that training to trick Michael to walking into the door frame. And then she's like, I got you. So, right. so it was a that very training good was completely worth it, yeah. you know? And it was For like, sure. wow. The movie did a good job. The daughter at this point shoots him. And then Michael yeah. Myers fa- falls down the stairs into the basement. The girls run up. One of them gets grabbed, almost gets pulled back down. But the granddaughter stabs Michael Myers' hand. So every woman has like drawn first blood on Michael Myers. Three, at this point. three generation of Strode it takes to uh, to stop a the Michael. Strode stab. Yeah, even when he's shot in the neck, doesn't slow him down at all. <laughs> so he's downstairs anyway. Moving on, he's the downstairs. Shape, the shape he's got powers that John doesn't understand. <laughs> and then they seal the downstairs with like these bars, and then you find out that the whole house is hooked up to gas and torches, so it'll burn the place to the ground. It starts it on fire. All three Strode generation ladies walk out or walking to the edge of the street, cut back to the house where everything's burning and Michael's trapped downstairs in the basement. You don't see him anymore. The basement appears to be empty. Now, we don't know if he's in there or not, but he appears to not be in there anymore. Probably teleported. Which (laughs) may be teleported. We don't know his power set. Shifted. Oh! Well, Round of applause yeah. for Mark. Well done, sir. Been sitting on that for an hour. <laughs> He's been workshopping that one all the way to drive here. But um, so yeah, and then they get in a, a van or a truck and drive. They go off. wave off, wave down a, a, a truck passing by, and then they hop into the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it pans out <laughs> with all three Strode ladies like kind of embracing each other, all showing that they were like prepared and badass. They spent and drive a, off. unusual time on that knife. Oh, they did because the daughter has now stabbed Michael Myers. But again, the event... Okay, and this goes back to the questions that posed earlier. What does an event like this do to the victim as well? She has now been through something that she thought was farce, that she thought was ridiculous. She's now had her friends killed. She's now seen what can happen. And her dad. How does this affect her now? Does she... Because the thing is, the doctor at one point says, do you become a killer yourself? Do you live in fear? Do you play a victim for the rest of your life? That's a great... That's the question at the end of like, how does this granddaughter now Wasn't that one of the Halloween movies where it um, one of the descendants of... Lori was a uh, was turned out to be the killer. I think so. I think that was one of them. Fuck, I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, I think that's correct. I remember them being in a field and yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. All so retconned. We got to think about it again. But yeah, yeah we don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> they but retconned yeah. it so they can make those movies all over so again. Then the credits roll and they use the classic orange. Um, the title sequence where the pumpkin reflates itself yeah. was really cool. Well, if you notice, that pumpkin had rotted away, so it was like forty years of rot reversing itself. Right. So like it didn't inflate. It actually well, that's what they, I mean. They it ran was it like reverse time lapse yes. film reversed. Yes, um, they didn't really inflate like it up. That. Like I knew what you meant, Mark. I knew what I meant. I just want to make sure the audience understood. They didn't actually inflate, reinflate the pumpkin. It's true. As as content producers, we want to make sure the audience understands what we're trying to get across. It's a visual medium. We want to tell the audience what our power set is. So I wish this was the last one, though. I don't want a sequel to this. Yeah, they have they have green lit a sequel. Now we don't know. We do know that Danny McBride and David Gordon Green have said that they're not coming back to work on it if it happens. But Bloomhouse being Bloomhouse has already been like, wait, you made us money? Here's the keys to the car. Run that shit into the wall. We don't care. We'll buy another car. So we're probably going to see a Halloween 2. It's already exceeding financial expectations of the box office. Well, no, this is called Halloween. So, because remember, it's just Halloween and then Halloween. Oh, yeah. Also, I fucking hate that as well. 
Yeah, I granted that is a little confusing, especially they do a sequel because you call it Halloween two, then it's like, wait, yeah. where does it come in? I just felt like this movie was the perfect opportunity to book in this whole thing. Agreed. And then now that it's left open to more sequels, I'm just not interested. Like I was very happy with this movie. And I think it did what it needed to do. And then the, the fact that the door's left open for more does not really excite me in any way. I would love to find out if they if they had that scene where you don't see Michael in the basement or they had the scene where they focus on the knife. Not so much as a, hey, we've made it so sequels can be made, but more just kind of continuing that open-ended question of these are all unanswered questions that you have to, as the audience, question yourself. You know, I don't think they, I, I would like to think that they didn't do this to open it up to sequels. I think they did this as kind of like the continuation of like, so many unanswered questions. Why do things like this happen and what drives people after enduring? Because if Michael escaped from the cage that Laurie spent 40 years building, that really kind of takes away from her character to mm-hmm. me. Like, well, best why wasn't she good enough to make a box that couldn't be broken out of? But maybe well, she was so focused she missed something. Honestly, that was Agreed, a though. stupid idea because when your house catches on fire, you immediately have lost control of the situation. You don't know how a house is going to burn down, what kind of gaps are going to open. Well, I, I, at first, I thought I was only going to set that room on fire fire then i was like ah i thought so too they started painting every other room but the thing is she had it set up to no matter what room he was in he would burn in that room but i agree with you you do lose complete control of the fire if if she had it set up that way it wasn't important that he'd be in the basement so she could have just fucking used the gates on every door except if he was in the hallway he could have gone out the front door Okay. Yeah, when you get off a room, you just jumped out a window, right? Sure. That's true. So then why set those rooms on fire? Not knowing his power set, he probably could have survived it. Any shapeshifts. <laughs> why set the rooms on fire if he could just jump out the window? Because then? Horror she, 101, burn it with fire. She set the basement on fire. <laughs> no, she There's set no the windows. whole no, the house house on I know, fire. but that's just part of it. Yeah, like, I It's agree. all going. Yeah, I think he, I think she set it up to matter where he is. She could take care of it. But I agree with you. There are too many open options <laughs> to the windows, for instance. Yeah. Totally. Um, once a wall burns down, you can run through it. I mean, you may get burned in the process, but right. clearly the man can survive quite a bit. Yeah. So I, I agree mean, with you. Smoke inhalation alone would destroy <laughs> a normal person that's you not a think? shape. Yeah, but the shape, he uh, fireproof and smoke proof. Doesn't even breathe. She, she did Unproof. believe. She did believe that he had like more like strength and and whatever than the average person. So yeah, she should have planned more than just fire. Yeah. I'll agree with you on that <laughs> one. Now, as a big proponent of burning anything down that's haunted. Sure. I do agree that there are better ways to to take care of that situation. I thought they were filling up the room with gas and then it was going to explode. That well, would have been gangster. He was just gangster. standing there looking up through the gate. Like, just, just fucking shoot, shoot a couple holes through his head. Yeah, they pop, still pop, had the pop, gun. Pop. And then you know what? Grab another gun, put a few more in him. Pull Loomis. I put six shots in him and he got back yeah. up. But if they do that, they can't make a sequel. I don't think, again, I don't know if they did that for the sequel aspect, but yes. They definitely did it for the sequel aspect. I don't know, man. 100%. I think these guys, they they, they had no intention of making a sequel, Maybe they did it. You don't think the producers were like, nah, you're going to need to fucking leave this some open-ended bullshit here. Why don't you get them Shot him in the head, and then when they pull the mask off, it's William Shatner. Oh. Oh, That's the inception of masks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I recommend this film. I think people should watch it. I was entertained. I had a good time. Um, I see some of John's criticisms, but it did not stop me from enjoying the film. I didn't think it was boring. I yeah. thought the, the the it was well filmed. The sound, I want to just touch on a little oh. bit. The absence of sound in this movie is fantastic. The fact that he is a silent killer is so creepy to me. And the John Carpenter's soundtrack, he went back and revisited his own soundtrack. A lot of that was well done. Yes, that one where absolutely. she's running from house to house, where Allison's running house to house, and it's all like, dun, 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 like yeah. that weird like fucking purge horn yeah. almost sound mm-hmm. mixed in. Dude, I had goosebumps when that goes down. I'm like, run, bitch. 
I'm like, don't don't stop. Yeah. Like that soundtrack made that scene. For it was me. good intensity. Um, yeah, I'd agree. I, Soundtracks the, OG. Uh, everything about it, I thought, was really well done, and it was um, shot really well. Cinematography, right. on point. Oh. I think everything my, about this all movie. All my problems are story based. How the film itself was executed was really good. And Nick Castle is going to be a Texas Frightmare next year. So um, James Courtney, whatever the the new guy who did the shape in mm-hmm. this movie. And Nick Castle are going to both be a frightmare. So Very cool. Maybe you can ask him what his power set is, John. Maybe. Or maybe the authors could have just told me. <laughs> <laughs> just give me the answer. I don't, I don't go to a movie for fucking homework is all I'm saying. Well, John, would you recommend this film? No. Okay. If I would say go watch the original Halloween. You'll enjoy so it So you're more. sticking with the original uh, H2O canon. You're going to scrape this one aside? Oh, and, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't care about that at all. Sure. Yes, I'm sticking with the H2O again. Again, watch Halloween 2 if you haven't seen it because it actually is a very enjoyable, good sequel and poses a lot of interesting like concepts and questions. But if you're like on board for the series as it is, yeah, just everything got wiped except for the first one. Garrett, you've oh, seen it twice now. I've seen it twice and I'll go see it, it again. I'll honestly go see it again. I Where really does this fall it. in the pantheon of Halloween films? How would you rank it? Ooh, um... Well, as much as I want to put the Buster Rhymes one anywhere on the list, I can't because, man, that is a rough-ass movie. It's definitely the original 78 Halloween. Okay. I really enjoy Donald Pleasance's Loomis so much that I would put Halloween 2 above this one, and then I would put this one as the third best entry. I know Halloween 2 is negated by this movie, but... I think Halloween 2 has such the stuff with Sam Hain that kind of explains like why he has the superpowers. You're not like erasing it from Earth. You could still watch Halloween 2. Yeah, yeah, you 2. know what I'm saying. Though, <laughs> nah, bro. Nah, it's, <laughs> it's gone, gone forever. Wipe it wipe it off the planet. Um, so yeah, I, Halloween 78, Halloween 2, Halloween 2018. And then after that, it's a crapshoot. H2O definitely is number four. And then after that, mix and match at your own leisure. Um, watched an interview with Danny McBride and it was uh, asked of him, what is your opinion on retconning all the sequels? Like, what is your take on this? And he likened it to Nolan's Batman trilogy. He said, you know, just because Nolan came out and made these fantastic Batman films doesn't mean the other ones don't exist. I think it's just its own contained thing. And I think if you approach it that way, then you can still have a good time with it. Kind of like an alternate timeline? Yeah. yeah. As a comic book okay. fan, I'm very used to multiple universes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Got it. 616, yeah. 999. Exactly. I mean, this is Halloween 999. Halloween <laughs> 616 is the original. Yeah. I'm good. Halloween Prime. I understand. <laughs> so, yes, John, there's a way to enjoy both yeah. uh, continuations. Wait um, until there's a crisis on infinite Haddonfields and they oh got to merge God, them all together. God. John, do you want to write a movie? Let's kill this motherfucker. <laughs> let's go. All right. Let's do another edition of John Dies First. For those who aren't familiar with this, this is, uh, in the past, John has told us that in any circumstance in these horror movie plots, he would be the first to go. It's true. So we decided to Except have... Except maybe this one. You think you'd last longer? In Halloween? Probably. So you, the audience, you, the listener, write in and tell us how you would like to see John die in these films, and then John picks his very favorite, and then we crown the winner. And what do you win? You know that you're able to kill a stranger... <laughs> Without remorse. You win pride. Full on worldwide bragging rights. (laughs) That's right. You know what we should actually do? Okay, listeners, if you've gone this far in the episode, cool. We'll probably do a tweet and stuff like this. I am going to make a trophy 
a John Dies First trophy. Mm. All right. I will craft it myself. It'll be a little ways off, but I will do this. We'll put it on the website. We'll show you guys what it looks like on Instagram and stuff. If you've got these, we're going to go back and we'll say at episode uh, 50. Okay. At episode 50, we will go back, look at all the John Dies First and do a best of. And then we'll have you, the listeners, we'll pick like the top like five. Just going to be like a clip show. That would be like a little clip segment, <laughs> but you know, like we'll take the top five. We'll put them up for vote either on the website or on Twitter or something like that. You guys can vote on who has the best John dies first, or maybe we'll do like a whole new, like what if we, you submit your own, someone will be crowned the John dies first champion. Yeah. Garrett's put it out there. He's now on the hook. The JDF trophy. Boom. I like it. All right. Well, this is the first one. I'm not going to tell you who these are from, by the way. That's per usual. Because we don't want to have any bias. That's true. Well, we did it previously, and I thought, I was like, yo, we got to take these names off. Okay. Here we go. First one. John started to lay back in his recliner, tired after a long day of podcasting with the other ghoul guys, Garrett and Mark. Another day, another advertising dollar, he chuckled to himself, thinking of all the stamps.com residuals coming his way. It was then he heard the shuffling steps suddenly coming from the hall to his office. John shot up in his chair. He was sure he was alone in the apartment, sitting straight up and peering from the back of his chair to the office hallway. A large, dark figure slowly revealed itself in his view. Fuck that, John screamed, running from his chair to the bedroom. The bedroom door slammed with a bang. As the dark figure slowly walked towards it, a pale and loose-fitting mass atop his form was seen. Thinking quickly, John hid in his closet and ducked down enough to hide behind a pile of red shirts and dog portraits, but also allowing him to peer through the closet doors from his large, dark stalker. Knowing he couldn't win a one-on-one fight, he maneuvered a running path in his head from the closet to the apartment door as he was sure he could get past the mysterious figure. The door to the bedroom slowly opened. Standing there, large and lumberous, was the stalker in a dark jumpsuit and a pale, worn Adam Scott mask. (laughs) <laughs> John fought every urge to not immediately run up and caress the mask. That would be How tough. does he know my one weakness, John thought, assigning a gendered pronoun to the stalker without even knowing who they were. As if the stalker could hear his thoughts, it suddenly turned its head towards the closet and began to slowly lurch forward. Realizing this was his last chance to escape, John kicked open the closet door and began to throw everything he could get his hands on while running from the bedroom door. The stalker, however, was too large and quick and began to cut into John like an excited kid cutting into a cake. Rushed, sloppy, and with demented glee. <laughs> this is for Leprechaun 4, you bastard! The stalker yelled at John, grabbing its mask and pulling it off with his dying breath. It was Garrett. What? What a twist. Garrett cried as John slumped to the ground, not because of what he had done, but because his vivid flashbacks to Leprechaun 4 in his mind. Fuck that movie, he yelled (laughs) into the ceiling, standing over a bloody and sliced up John. Suddenly, the door of the apartment slammed open. Garrett turned towards it, fearing he had been too loud and that the neighbors had already called the cops. Standing in the entrance was a medium-sized figure, also in a dark jumpsuit and an Adam Scott mask. Confused, Garrett lifted his knife up and began to walk towards them. Whoa, 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 I think I came to the party fashionably late, the medium figure rushed to say. As he started to pull off his mask, it was Mark. Garrett and Mark began to laugh as they realized they had the same plan all along. While nothing could erase the memories of the tiny leprechaun jumping out of a man's dick, they could at least snuff out the one person who forced him to watch. They laughed harder as they began to undress completely, walk towards the woods, and laughing, John's dead body floated out of his apartment above them. Hail Michael, they laughed. 
Wow, <laughs> that is some deep ass cuts right there. Okay, that's a that's that's a fan. Wow, someone has been listening to the podcast. Yeah. Um, that so was pretty creative. That I was very creative. Um, I have a question though. Whoever you are, don't say anything yet. But when he says slumps into a pile of red shirts, is that a Star Trek reference? Has to be. Basically, being the red shirts are going to get killed. Yeah. You dying. I I read it that way. That was that was really good, man. All right. Whoever I've got, you better have stepped your game up because <laughs> wow, wow. Adam Scott mass though. We should. It was good, right? We should find an Adam Scott good. mask painted kind of white. It'll be tough. I mean, I'm sorry I assumed someone's gender, though. That was that one cut deep. But. <laughs> you should do that, John. <laughs> John Even when so you, you know. don't actually do it and it's written into your I know. character. I kind of, yeah. I wonder if there's like an erotic fan fiction version of that that this person has on their computer also. Probably, you know, but that's all right. <laughs> also, this could be the new uh, script for Bad Boys 4. It could be. You know. A lot of options here. So is it my turn or? Your turn, number two. It's October, and John's favorite holiday, Halloween, is around the corner. He just got the best mask to complete his Halloween costume. He is so excited. He needs to show someone. He decides his friend and neighbor, Miss Lori Strode, will get a real kick out of it. He dons his mask and starts to walk over to her place. He has to walk slow despite his excitement. They live in the country with uneven ground, and his sweet new mask will really limit his vision. Lori, on edge as it is October, turns to see him coming up the driveway. I've been waiting for you, you son of a bitch, she exclaims as she draws her pistol. Confused, John stops and tilts his head. Surely he heard her wrong. He can't see the gun clearly for the mask. Mistaking John for her psychotic brother, whose memory clearly still haunts her today, Lori shoots John, and John's dying words were, if I knew death was coming for me, I would have gone to work today. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that is, oh man, that's, that's great. also a cut to John being yeah. boring on his last Dude, day on Earth. I am oh, you know so impressed. We see that we see the the listen counts, but I thought they were all fake. But some of you are actually <laughs> yeah. listening out there. Fucking kudos. At least two people listening to us. This is this is good. <laughs> all right, here we go. Number three. The distant sound of sirens and wailing alarms from Smith Grove Sanitarium cut through an otherwise peaceful and serene northern Illinois night. We hear heavy footsteps moving quick and growing closer. It's Michael Myers, running as fast as he can through the woods with fellow escapee piggybacking on his broad shoulders. That escapee is John, and he's holding a butcher knife he managed to swipe from the sanitarium kitchen on their way out. The whole image would be cute as hell if it wasn't for the blood seeping out of a bullet wound on John's side and down Michael's back. Damn, guard got me good, Mikey, John exclaims through clenched teeth. Michael grunts back, either in acknowledgement or sheer disdain for being called Mikey for the 15th time. (laughs) Buddy, the boat's this way, to the left. Michael turns left and carries his only friend from the sanitarium straight to a lone dock. A small boat is seen approaching in the distance. Right on time, John states. Michael turns and sees a sign along the road, Haddonfield, 150 miles. He stares at it, getting John's attention. Don't do it, man. Don't think about it, John begins. That was a lifetime ago. We got plans. Canada. Toboggan shop. John and Mikey Snowtown, remember? As the boat nears the dock, so do the sounds of the sirens. Come on, Mikey. Don't throw it all away for some dumb old broad probably doesn't even remember you're her brother. Michael lets out a loud grunt and drops his friend to the ground. He bends down and rips the knife out of John's hand, raising it high above his head. Easy, pal. Easy, John stammers. I didn't mean it. Just then, a black bear emerges from the trees, perhaps Northern Illinois' last black bear. Michael turns to John, to the bear, and back to John again. What are you waiting for, Mikey? John asks in panic. Got the thing. 
Michael waits a moment before turning and heading towards the direction of Haddonfield, knife in hand. John calls out for him to turn back, but it's to no avail. Michael has made his choice. John turns back to the bear. The bear, attracted to the fresh blood covering John's side, growls and approaches the fallen escapee. The bear tears into John, mutilating him. The helmsman, upon seeing this, turns the boat around real quick. The bear continues to devour John, whose final moments on Earth are spent watching his only friend walk towards his dark destiny. As John's eyes close, the audience lament not only his passing, but also the kick-ass Canadian buddy movie that would have been. <laughs> Written by Dwight Schrute from The Office. Dude, I love bears. Like, I'm a big fan of bear attacks in general. Like, not like real bear. But, Don't like, you I'm, have a bear hat? I do have a bear hat. Pro bear attack. That's I'm, Garrett's position. <laughs> Look, I'm pro bear. I will stand by this. That, that, that's going to come back to haunt me one day. Well, those are three pretty good ones, I I'd know, say. I think those are amazing. Every time, but I think this might be the three like most solid entries you've gotten at once. I want to say right now <laughs> that like normally the John Dies First segment, I, I enjoy... But I loved what we got today. So kudos to all you guys out there. That's, man, that's awesome. All right, now pick a winner. All right, let me think through this here. So just to recap, we've got... I get killed by you two. We kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second one, Some Lori Scott kills Nass. you. Uh, yeah, I get killed. And I didn't know. I didn't even go to work that day. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> and then the third one, you're killed by a bear. Oh, man. After escaping with Michael Myers. I know. It was kind of like a... If someone had just rewritten the end Freaking of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest with Michael Myers smothering John in his bed after a lobotomy, I would have been like, winner. Also would work, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the first one feels like it could happen. <laughs> you think we're going to kill you over <laughs> Leprechaun It's 4? a possibility. It may happen. Um, Man, that second one's so good. If I knew death was coming, I would have gone to work today. Haunts me, because it's probably true. That is, like, so sad. We bookending this episode on sadness. <laughs> uh, that part, maybe. Um, fuck, man, this is hard. I'm going to go... I'm going with, with, with two. Number two, the one Garrett read? Yeah. All right, congratulations, Kim. Shut You're up. still the winner. Wow, Kim. <laughs> All right. I, I'm, uh, she refused to be unthroned. I think Dethroned, it's, rather. it's two, three, two, three, one is probably how I'd land it. See, I would have picked one. I just love the idea of us wearing like Michael Myers as Adam Scott mask. It was so hard. That one like was really good too. But the I would have gone to work today, and I love bear attacks made too. Me laugh. Like I'm just like, dude, we need to find a way to combine all three of these into one. Yeah, um, let's get Danny McBride and David Gordon. Kim's Green too good at this, man. She knows me too well. <laughs> well, thank you, Leroy, for writing in. And okay. thank you, Jordan. Wait, for your was Leroy the first one? Yes. Okay, that was good. Okay, well, Jordan, wherever you are, nailed it. More bear attacks. Yes. You keep that bear attack train rolling, <laughs> all right? Yeah. I, I will buy a ticket. Any of these could have won. I'm going to be disappointed if we do a bear horror movie and Jordan writes in and doesn't do a bear, <laughs> a bear Dude, attack. he's going to subvert your expectations. <laughs> yeah. There'll be zero bear. He's going to switch it up. That's, yeah. that's what a good writer does. They make you think they're going one way and they pull you that's the other. That's it. Yeah, well, we're going out. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. 